Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In his long career in pro cycling, Steve Cummings was known for his independent thinking and his ability to snatch stage wins off his rivals, often through an opportunist breakaway. And The Break is the title of his autobiography, out later this month, subtitled Life as a Cycling Maverick. He's now well-established as development director at Ineos Grenadiers. When I spoke to him, he was in Germany preparing to help Tom Pidcock at a World Cup mountain bike event. Why did he decide to write down the story of his cycling life? Good question. You've caught me out already. I don't know. I think the last few years of my my career, I started reading more and more and more and more and um, and got a lot from it, really. So um, when I stopped, um, a few people approached me to do a book. It's just a case of finding the right person, really, who was easy to talk to or the right ghostwriter and... Um, I'd always had a good relationship with a lot of journalists, really, but Alistair in particular was really keen to do it. And um, that's that's kind of what uh, made me want to do it, really, just to share my own experiences, because hopefully it's interesting for some people. <laughs> it is. It's a great book. And that Alistair Fotheringham um, is, is uh, who wrote it um, with you. Um, what sort of in in the sort of final years of your um, your career? What sort of books were you reading? Were you reading sports autobiographies or kind of theoretical books or what? Yeah, no, a little bit of everything. So I was studying as well, so I was doing some theoretical stuff, and then um, not really autobiographies. Um, I was reading all sorts of different stuff. A lot of um, I, don't, I wouldn't say self help, but um, books like that that always had some sort of meaning or message or um, books that had a, had a, had a message and I, I could sort of relate to and it, it might be in a, in a completely different sector other than cycling or business or whatever, another sport or something like that. Um, so I was really interested in that, in sort of life outside of cycling really, I guess. And, and, I, and I found a lot of things were, were kind of transferable and helped me on the bike actually at the well I wasn't when when I was doing the book I wasn't on the bike but before I started doing the book I was still on the bike and I just yeah I found it quite helpful to be honest what sort of business strategy and things like that yeah I've just just done that business strategy module now um one of the books that stands out was that I don't know there's a military book uh, Jocko Willink I don't know if you know him he's uh there's a book called Extreme Ownership and that's one of my favorite books really where this guy kind of He's all about 
what he can always do to make any situation better, you know. Um, so that was something that interested me a lot, something that I aspire to, I guess, if you like. Um, and yeah, I tried to write my book not in that it, it, in that frame of mind, which kind of came naturally after reading that book anyway, where I tried to take a lot of responsibility for things that had happened during my career. Well, tried to take responsibility of everything, to be honest. And um, yeah, ownership really. And because and, in the moment when it's really passionate in your career and sometimes things don't seem very fair at all, and they're probably not, but that's just the way life is. Uh, there's always, you know, a positive outlook. And um, that's what we tried to find, really. Now, you're a DS for Ineos Grenadiers now. And, and reading the book, people reading the book might be a little bit surprised that that's where you've ended up. Because you, your time with Sky didn't seem the happiest time in your life. What What's changed with the team and with you? Well, first of all, exactly that. Both things have changed. I've changed and the team changed. I'll start with me. Yeah, I think I've just grown up, matured and worked really hard on the things that I wasn't super strong with I'm also in a different position now where I'm not racing my bike fundamentally I'm the same person but I like to think I've evolved and improved since then and yeah I'm not racing my bike there's messages in the book where I was trying to I was always there's something burning inside me where I always wanted to sort of have some opportunity for myself and race to win and um back or if you rewind the clock back to sky i didn't really feel and i'll take responsibility but i probably wasn't good enough to um to win in that team you know because of the level of the team and now it's different because i think you saw the classics the style of racing's different than how it has been the team's evolving uh, has evolved over what's it 12 years now 10 years since i was in the team so um it's different they're obviously wiser they've learned and uh yeah, I'm, uh, it's going to go pretty well at the moment. It is remarkable how Ineos has changed, isn't it, from being a team that was tended to be built round one um, leader at a time and targeting grand tours, and now they they seem to be a team which kind of goes for everything, and uh, as you said, like a classics team almost. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. That um, was one of the big things that I had some chats with. Originally, it was actually Geraint. We were talking about the World Championships, actually. And then I spoke to Fran Miller, who was working with the team at the time. And then eventually I talked to Dave and shared some ideas. And, and, and I think we were both sort of thinking along the same lines of trying to find that balance, really, between like team responsibility and, and then opportunity for the individual riders and how, if the riders are good enough, they earn their own opportunities. And, um, yeah, not always being sort of one-dimensionally tactically being a bit a bit more um unpredictable less robotic a bit more maybe expansive a bit more exciting to watch and um certainly the team has uh show, shown that i think they've shown it in the past anyway you know it's not it's nothing new maybe it's new over the last few years but originally the team was was quite sort of predictable uh very successful but um very predictable as well that people always talk about them changing I, i'm not sure i like the word change i like evolve because uh i still think at times there's a there is that is the right tactic to to, to race how they used how how because it was really successful so still think that's really worth acknowledging that um we shouldn't forget 
how successful that was. And at times, that, that is exactly the right tactic. Yeah, one repeated theme that sort of comes across in the book and, you know, in interviews is that you, you seem not to feel comfortable in teams where there's a very strict plan, everyone's got their own role and everyone had to do what was planned. You always seem to thrive when there was a chance to be spontaneous and to do things on your own. Yeah, no, exactly. We're trying to, um, I think that's part of it, trying to push like leadership, not push it down, but support the guys to feel, uh, we give them a plan, we give them an outline, but we want them to lead on the road. You know, cycling is, there's so many variables. So, so, uh, it's constantly changing. And a DS sat in the car, he can make big decisions, but he can't continually um, control rides on a PlayStation. So you have to, try and share an idea with them, listen to their ideas, make sure you understand, formulate the tactic, articulate it pretty cleanly, and then try and communicate it really well so everyone understands. And then when we leave, we go. And hopefully then we're all aligned and we all understand what we're trying to achieve. And then you you, you trust you trust the guys on the road to sort of execute what, what we're trying to deliver. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the book's called The the Break, and obviously, you know, breakaways and victories from breakaways are one of the things that you were uh, really well known for. Is there a science to it? Is there, or is it just, you know, the ability to spot an opportunity and go for it? Um, is there a science to it? Um, for me, it's quite common sense, but I'm not sure it is for everyone. But yeah, to me, it's common sense. There is definitely a lot of science in the sort of preparation but in the moment it's like passion and feelings and and uh, what do you like grit you know so a little bit of a mixture of both i'd like to think there's some interesting portraits in your book and sort of stories from the early days but portraits of some of the you know well-known names you've uh, ridden with including uh, cavendish and, and wiggins both sort of very complex characters in their own different ways. How are your relations with them now? Yeah, with Brad, it's always been quite similar. Like something we weren't here from him for a long, for long periods. And then when you do see him, I'll get a text message or something. You say you're coming to the football, go to the football, and it's like you've never been away really. Um, but I haven't heard from him from for quite a while. Uh, I would like to hear him hear from him, but I haven't. Uh, and Cav. We used to spend time together in Italy and, yeah, since I've stopped racing, I haven't really seen him. But I'd love to catch up with him when I see him at races. I saw him earlier on this season in, in UAE. And, yeah, it's, it's quite easy to catch up. To, if you don't see them for long periods, I guess that's a sign of um, good friends, really, where, where you, you don't see him and then it's like you never were apart, you know, if you haven't spoken, so that's good. But, um yeah, I hope in the future we we always keep in touch because um you should like we shared and all the lads you know not just those two but you share like some of the some really nice moments and memories together as well also some difficult ones but um, yeah generally good. It does seem from the book you never quite worked out Chris Froome. <laughs> Chris Froome, uh, yeah. No, I mean, I was only with him two years. Uh, well, no, it wasn't actually. It was four because there's two Barnwell, two Sky. But um, it was, I guess, he changed a lot from when I, I met him initially, obviously, to winning. How many tours did he win in the end? Four? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so um, he's obviously changed a lot. But 
yeah, just a different character from a different, completely different background from myself and the, the other British lads, which was intriguing. And um, yeah, he was great. he's a great character. Yeah, lucky to spend time with him. One other big change uh, since you started racing has been the age of uh, winning riders. I mean, you know, people used to say that riders would hit their peak in as the late 20s, maybe early 30s. Um, now you've got 22-year-olds absolutely smashing it, haven't you? What, what, what do you think is behind that? I suspect, I don't know, but um, just how the level of professionalism has sort of filtered right down now. I'm not sure quite how far down, whether it's grassroots or junior level or, or whatever, but a lot of these kids that you sign 20 years old straight from junior they're doing altitude camps and stuff like that and they're very professional in their approach in terms of nutrition and training um so i think yeah it's just it's that it's filtered down kids are able to perform at a such a high level from a younger age really which is it makes it really exciting because there's always a new a new name coming through and um and also it makes the racing seems to make it unpredictable, um, which is exciting if you're a spectator. And yeah, like no fear approach. I, I enjoy it a lot. You enjoy watching them. I enjoy watching it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Did you find uh, the process of writing the book um, useful? Did you kind of learn things when you were doing it? Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. It was just... It, I, when I took the project on, I'd just retired and I wasn't doing too much. I was studying a little bit and it was really, really enjoyable. At times it was really hard because you're going over moments that uh, the ghostwriter, Alistair, was finding really interesting, but there were like difficult emo emotional moments and things that I didn't really want to think too much about. And he kept <laughs> trying to open all this stuff up and I, I didn't really want to talk too much about it. But eventually... Uh, when we finished it, I was kind of relieved actually that it was done because I, I was so busy with work and stuff like that that um, I was just relieved it was done. And yeah, it's, it's, I know it's not perfect. I'm not sure it ever would be, but we give it a bloody good go in, in the time that we have, um, in the time that we had. So um, yeah, hopefully people will enjoy some of the stories. There's a bit of humour and stuff in there. There's uh, serious stuff, a bit about tactics, a bit about those characters we mentioned, racing with those. And I think it's pretty honest. Um, well, it's very honest, actually, account of how it how it was for me racing for 15 years as a pro bike racer, really, ups and downs. Yeah, it's a really interesting read. And, and The Break by Steve Cummings is published by Alan and Unwin, and it's available May the 19th. Steve, um, good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ian. Why, hello there. Podcast interruption alert, but I will only take a few short moments to say that if you're enjoying this podcast, you will love the regular magazine. So if you're not a reader already, then you can subscribe at ruler.cc for as little as £6 per month. If you don't speak Northern Irish, that's six times 100 pennies. And for the price of a few coffees, you get regular columns from the wonderful Ned Bolting, myself, Orla Shinnewi, and some of the very finest independent cycling journalism there is, all wrapped up in a wondrously beautiful publication. Go to ruler.cc. I'll leave you to it.
This is Ruler Conversations. Ruler's new editor, Ed Pickering, has only just started in the job, but we've already got him working for the podcast. Here he is at Ruler's headquarters in London's Somerset House at the launch of a very special piece of kit. I'm here with Luca Basso, product manager of Technogym. He's here in London for the launch party of the Technogym ride in partnership with Ruler. The Technogym ride is the company's latest model, the home trainer, which Luca is going to tell us about shortly. Our guinea pig slash extremely fit staff writer Nick Busker has been testing the ride for Ruler, and his review is featured in the latest edition of the magazine, Ruler 111, which is available now via the Ruler website. Go to ruler.cc slash subscribe. So, before we talk about the ride, I'd like to go into the history and heritage of uh, Technogym, because I'm a, I'm, I'm a cycling nerd, so I'm well aware of the MG Technogym team, which was one of the strongest in the world during the mid-1990s, riders like Michele Bartoli, Fabio Baldato and Pascal Richard. Um, and the, the jersey, I loved the jersey, it was a classic example of spangly mid-1990s extravagance, had a bright red apple on a blue and white background, and the futuristic font of the Technogym logo underneath in, um, in, in yellow. And I've always been aware, I've been aware of Technogym for 25 years. So before we talk about the ride, Luca, can you tell us a little about the heritage and history of the company? Because it's been around for a long, long time. Maybe it's uh, not so familiar, but Technogym is a great heritage in cycling. Because as you, as you said, in the, in the 90s, we partnered up with uh, uh, MG Technogym World Tour team uh, with a team that won almost everything from uh, World Championship with uh, Gianni Bugno to Liegi Baston Liegi with uh, uh, Michele Bartoli. And we have uh, um, the possibility to work with uh, those uh, athletes, uh, which is uh, a key aspect in our product development because uh, uh, the, the philosophy is uh, uh, the precision training. Precision training means that uh, you need to deliver to your customers the right product, the right contents uh, for improving uh, their own performances. And working with champions is important. It's fundamental to us because uh, uh, the point is, if it works for them, of course, it would be useful even for, for the rest. So uh, going uh, ahead with uh, the development of uh, uh, the cycling products, uh, we um, have the possibility to get in touch with Paolo Bettini, with uh, our other friends like uh, Michele Bartoli, Ivan Basso. They helped us in giving understanding of the key elements of the training preparation. Uh, and starting from there, uh, the development was much easier. Tell me more about the ride itself. Techno Gym Ride is the only one bike. What does it mean? It means that you can forget one of the most painful issues for cyclists, which is pairing devices. I mean, if you are familiar with smart trainers, with uh, other applications like Swift, like Strava, uh, every time you need to connect something. You need to connect your laptop, you need to connect by an Apple TV, uh, then you have uh, uh, some cables. Cables are nightmare, as well as uh, the, the different type of connections of those applications. Sometimes it's a Bluetooth, some other times it's uh, uh, about Plus. So, 
could be a nightmare. And with Technogym Ride, thanks to the 22-inch display on top of it, we have integrated almost all the relative application for cyclists. Of course, it's for cyclists, for triathletes, for people that would like to improve their own performance in terms of athlete performances for getting ready for the next ride. But, I mean, uh, I would say that is even for people that would like to uh, just keep fitter or losing weight and they like pretty much cycling. It's compatible with Swift and Ruby and all the all the riding apps, right? You can you can jump on and it's not just a case of pedaling, you can be in a virtual world straight away. You can just walk into the room, get on and pedal away in a in a different world. Yeah, we have integrated Ruby as well as Swift. Together with that, we uh, got the possibility to stay in contact with your Strava community because you can upload your indoor training programs on Strava or you can replicate your Strava routes directly on the Technogym ride. And most of all, and we are, I mean, uh, uh, pretty honored of that, a Technogym ride is the only one bike which is fully integrated with training pick. Ten years ago, it would have been difficult to imagine just how immersive... Um, in, indoor training can be these days. You can be pedaling at the same time with other riders all around the world. And you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to imagine this 15 years, 10 or 15 years ago. What do you think the future is for, you know, for, for indoor training? I think that will be a mix of uh, education in terms of uh, specific training for improving performance and entertainment. The mix of those things will be key for the future. So you see uh, how much is easy, for example, on the Technogym ride to get an outdoor scenario and get at the same time your uh, Spotify playlist in your earphones. Very, very useful. And I've, you know, I've, I've got I've got two teenage boys, <laughs> and they you know they 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 lecture me about all all kinds of things, but they they talk a lot about the way they interact with their friends now online and everything everything seems to be gamified and it, gamification is something that seems to be a bit of a buzzword in you know modern modern technology and it, it looks like indoor training has been gamified and, and you know that 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 means that indoor training isn't just for you know people in their 40s and and you know older people it's something that can attract a younger generation do you think that's an important aspect of it yeah i mean uh to us, uh, gamification is uh, one of uh, uh, of the things uh, to build on that uh, to create immersive experiences for for our customers. Uh, you know, uh, Technogym is based on innovation. Uh, every product that we deliver on the on the market has a strong component of innovation and uh, contents developing uh, uh, new um, interactions with our customers. Uh, even in in uh, in those times, I mean, uh, you know, after this couple of years. Uh, uh, this, the, the, the focus on training is switching completely to contents. You, you, you can get contents from every touch points on, on, on the website platforms. And we are uh, uh, developing more and more contents uh, in order to provide the right uh, experience, the right training to the right customers. Thank you very much, Luca.
You can find out more about the Technogym ride at the company's website, which is technogym.com. And you can see more about the Technogym ride, as Ed said, in issue 111 of Ruler with subscribers now. If you're not a subscriber, go to ruler.cc. And that's it from this Conversations podcast. We'll be back with a tech edition next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 